0: The invocation will be given by Dr. George R. Davis, retired minister of the National City Christian Church.
1: God of the living universe, God of all persons, God of system and order, not of chaos, you came all the way down the stairs of eternity and time and choosing to live in us by your spirit, your very being. Over us tonight is an invisible canopy, eternal friend, a canopy of inspiration, the vision of a library, a school, and those ceaseless searchers for truth and reason. As we try to do what befits us best, pay tribute to a remarkable human being, a man for all seasons, a cherished friend. We are grateful, our Father, to be participants in a system where more excellence will flower the more all are equally unshackled to pursue their divine potential and to know lives not just of subsistence, but of complete fulfillment. We are grateful to be participants in a society where adversaries for conscience and for freedom's sake can sustain goodwill and mutual respect. In a society where law dare not define religion, help us, O God, then as persons, to be able to distinguish good religion from bad religion. Could it possibly be, O God, that good religion expects justice, mercy, understanding, and charity? And bad religion is always forever bigoted, arrogant, inflexible, deadly, and always trying to play God with the lives of other people. Before this evening is done, our God, we shall not only enjoy honoring Robert Strauss, but shall be remembering all of our leaders of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Teach us to respect our chosen leaders and thus to earn the right to our own self-respect and our own claims to decency and honor. By unity, patience, and strong will, may this nation have more than a fighting chance to survive and serve in this untidy and often deranged world. Teach us, O God, not to downgrade the giant strides made by our nation for itself and for all humankind. but Keep us remembering, without paying too much heed to Pollyannas or prophets of doom, that we have promises to keep and miles to go before we sleep. Now, O God, receive our thanks that we are together about these tables, really one table of fellowship, Brightened now by our thought of possible peace on earth, because of the stars always in our night skies, and because of the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And so as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone.
0: Will you please take your seats? Will you please be seated? Our agenda tonight is remarkable not only for the man and the school we represent and honor, but for the people that are here with us. And if you will bear with me a moment, I shall hurry through a number of introductions. A number of Bob's friends and colleagues, not only here in Washington, but from around the country. The Honorable Tip O'Neill, Speaker of the House of Representatives. The Honorable Ted Kennedy, the Honourable Russell Long, Lucy Johnson, The Honorable George McGovern. Honorable Robert Packwood. The Honorable Abraham Ribicoff, The Honorable Charles Robb and Linda Bird Robb. The Honorable Jim Satcher, The Honorable Jamie Whitten. And my very dear friend, John C. and Nellie White. And a friend of all of us. The power behind the throne. The real brains of this operation, Helen Strauss. Now, before we go any further, I want to take a moment to thank a remarkable group of people who really and truly made this happen tonight. The Literally hundreds of volunteers and staff who have worked for over a week to make this evening possible. And if they're out there, just stand and let's give them a round of applause. Ladies and gentlemen, Vice President of the United States, Walter Mondale and Mrs. Mondale. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States and Mrs. Carter. now, ladies and gentlemen, it is my great privilege to introduce a distinguished alumni of the University of Texas, a longtime close and personal friend of the LBJ family, the library and the school, the Honorable Lloyd Benson of Texas.
2: generosity this evening will be benefiting the students of the LBJ School of Public Affairs. So it's appropriate that we introduce next the person most responsible for the success of that institution. Dean Elspeth Rostow is a She's a talented, effective administrator who has brought an era of growth and stability to that institution. Her academic and professional career is a matter of record, and rather than recounting all of that, I'd like to give you my own analysis of Dean Rostow's success. I have never met anyone who has been associated with the LBJ School of Public Affairs who has not been impressed with her presence, the character, and the obvious ability of Elspeth Rostow. She's a woman of vast talent and charm. She is the guiding light of the LBJ School of Public Affairs, and we are honored to have her with us this evening, Dean Elspeth Rostow.
3: Mr. President, Mrs. Carter, Mrs. Johnson, dignitaries, all friends of Robert Strauss. The LBJ School, among its many activities, conducts informal sessions in which we bring in leaders from public affairs. They speak to our students who sit on the floor and munch whatever they bring with them. These events are called brown bags one of the students who is here tonight said, Dean, this is the best brown bag we've ever had. (laughs) May, May I therefore, may I ask the students, the alumni, and also the faculty of the LBJ School who are here present to stand up so that you know why it is that we are raising fellowship money. Would they be good enough to stand? At our school, as in other schools of public affairs, we take the service of this country very seriously indeed. We be- believe profoundly, we believe profoundly that government is important and that it is important to train as effectively as possible those who will work for their government at all levels: state, regional, municipal federal, international. And thus we need to have not only the kinds of support that you are helping us to provide tonight, but we also need to have a model of so many of you here as to what important public service means. And that is why this particular assemblage matters a great deal to us. Because in your various and distinguished ways, you represent the best that we can do for this country and this world, namely to devote our careers, our interests, and our activities to making sure that government is better each decade than it was before. The LBJ School is entering its second decade, and this marks a modest beginning for the second decade. We owe a great deal to one who is not with us tonight, the man who thought up this evening initially, the then president of the Lyndon B. Johnson Foundation, Frank Irwin. Mr. Irwin, who was a representative of a great deal of academic excellence, was chairman of the Board of Regents. He died on October 1st. His spirit is here, but we miss him. But we have present, not only the example of those at these many tables, but we also have, in Robert Strauss, the example of the kind of person that we hope we are training at this School of Public Affairs, namely someone whose dedication, not only to his country, but to the welfare of this world, has been continuous and meaningful and successful. And it is therefore wholly appropriate to put before the students of this school and of others the example of that kind of public servant because we believe very strongly that leadership in the public sector is one of the ingredients which will make this country survive the tumultuous and perilous and yet promising decade in which we're beginning and the end of this century. So on behalf of the school, its current students, its students who have graduated, its faculty, I am here simply this evening to say not only thank you, but to indicate that I believe that your support of this kind of public education and a fellowship program dedicated to a man with the very particular qualities, and they are unique, of Robert Strauss is not only an important exercise, but that it can produce the kinds of results that we hope and that we think you hope will be achieved. So I come here not only to say welcome to you, but of course, above all, to say thank you. Good night.
2: Our next guest has touched the lives of so many of you here tonight. And in every instance, she's left an imprint of grace and goodness. I find it of special significance that you can't drive far in this capital city without coming face to face with the evidence of the charm and the beauty that is Lady Bird Johnson's legacy to America. But to those who know her, to those who know how much meant to President Johnson and to her children and to her friends. The real beauty of Lady Bird Johnson is not limited to the tulips and the parks and the unspoiled landscape. It ri- resides its instead in the inspiration of an exceptional woman whose strength and goodness has enriched the lives of all who know her for the Lyndon Baines-Johnson Foundation. It is my privilege to introduce Lady Bird Johnson.
4: Sit down, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Sit down. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. President. Mr. President, Bob, friends, you have given wings to our celebration tonight and to our hopes to broaden opportunities at the LBJ School. And very especially, you lift the hearts of the members of the LBJ Foundation and the LBJ family. No one would have been prouder than Lyndon of this stellar evening. He would have been enormously pleased and appreciative that the school he envisioned and did so much to shape has been so generously assisted by an esteemed friend and public servant, admired and respected across partisan and national boundaries, and who day by day and challenge by challenge grows in legend. Our found. Our foundation, our family are marvelously grateful to you, Bob, and to each of you whose support gives substance to the dreams of able young people and to our high expectations of producing a succession of Bob Strauss's for many years to come. Thank you, everybody here. It's been a gala <laughs> evening for all of us.
2: People used to comment about certain similarities between my career and that of the individual that I'm about to introduce. Both of us are Houstonians who married exceptional women. Both of us us were members of the House of Representatives. Both of us built careers in the private sector. Both of us vied for the Senate and ran valiantly, but unsuccessfully, for the presidency. So there we were, maturing gracefully together. Then last month, George went out and had a growth spurt. (laughs) And now he's learning semaphores. He's about to move into the Admiral's house. And I'm finding out what it is to be a member of America's newest minority. I think we have the best chance in a long time to show America that bipartisanship isn't just a political slogan. I think George Bush can be a catalyst. He can lead the search for a consensus because he has earned the respect of all Americans. It is my privilege to welcome the Vice President-elect of the United States of America, the Honorable George Bush. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen.
5: Thank you very, very much, Lloyd. Thank you very much. President Ms. Carter and Vice President Ms. Mondale. And of course, Mrs. Johnson, it is a great pleasure to be here. Great pleasure to introduce be introduced by Lloyd Benson man who really never had any experience in the field, but taught me a good, a lot about losing. I'll tell you, I, he beat me. And uh, it's funny how life is. I am delighted to be here. <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and uh, I, it's amazing about Strauss, you know, I walked in here, the applause was gratifying not overwhelming, mind you, but uh, this is a kind of a Strauss mix. He's got him on all sides out there. And and uh, I am very pleased to be here, uh, pleased particularly, and as much as for at last he's associated with a noble cause, the LBJ school. And uh, I, I uh, look around the room, and I see people from all over, all aspects of politics. And you can't help but get the message of just how much Bob has done for his country and for his party. And there's a reason for it all. He's enormously energetic, he's talented, he's held difficult domestic and foreign affairs positions, and he served with distinction in all of them. And despite his problems this fall, Bob assured me that he's going to remain very active in politics. He hopes to have a lot of contact with Senate Democrats. In fact, I think he will because the outgoing members have just filed a class action suit against him And I expect (laughs) he'll be hearing a lot from him. I uh, I've known Bob for 14 years and uh, At one time when we were going through (laughs) Through it real agony. I was chairman of the Republican National Committee and he was chairman of the Democratic National Committee And inasmuch as we Bushes have great respect for the Carters, the Mondales, and particularly for Mrs. Johnson, I will clean this up for the occasion. Uh, Strauss called me one time, and he said when we were going through the pits of Watergate, and he said, George, he was then Democratic chairman, I was Republican chairman. He said, your job reminds me of necking with a gorilla. I said, oh really, Strauss, how come? He said, well, you can't stop till the gorilla wants to. And I know exactly what he meant. And uh, I, I would only say that in spite of occasional lapses like that, and I see his friends know exactly what he really said, uh, in, sp- in spite of occasional lapses like that, Bob is operated with a certain style. In a class that people in public life have admired for years. I am delighted to be here amongst his friends to pay tribute to him, uh, to Helen, uh, to the cause that unites us here, the LBJ School, and say we Bushes are just delighted to be friends of Bob Strauss. Thank you very, very much.
2: said that the test of courage is when one is in the minority, and the test of tolerance is when one is in the majority. Now that may explain why we in the Senate have had this sudden, in the last month, burst of bravado while we watch Howard Hall, I mean Howard, Howard Howard Baker walk down the halls whistling Happy days are here again. (laughs) I've known Howard Baker and admired him for a long time, for almost a decade in the Senate. I think the presence of people like Howard Baker and George Bush at this dinner tonight is eloquent testimony to the character of Bob Strauss, and I think it's a good omen for the country. Howard, it's a little awkward for me to invite you to a dinner for Bob Strauss when you've just eaten his lunch. But we extend the hand of friendship to an outstanding American, a man who is about to be the majority leader of the United States Senate, Howard Baker. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
6: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. When it's over, I want to know who Howard Hall is. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. President, Mrs. Carter, Mr. Vice President, Mrs. Mondale, Mrs. Johnson, ladies and gentlemen, I'm delighted to be here. I stand before you as a man who unashamedly can say that everything I am today I owe to Bob Strauss. There is hardly a day that goes by as I walk through the corridors of the Senate, through that venerated chamber that I do not see Democrats who were once my colleagues who say, where is Bob Strauss? (laughs) And how can I express to him my true
0: feelings?
6: (laughs) But in all seriousness, my friends, it's a pleasure to be here and to have this opportunity not only to pay my respects to Bob, and by the way, I didn't come to Bob Strauss's dinner. I came to Helen Strauss's dinner. <laughs> Helen is here in the audience someplace. And, 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 and really, as Helen will acknowledge, that's how we first got acquainted, not through the political channels. Bob and I have known each other for a long time, but because by force of circumstance and the judgment of social protocol, Helen and I found each other as dinner partners for about four years straight running. And that was a great experience for me. So I'm here for Helen, as well as for Bob. But my friends, I'm here as well because I have a great admiration and respect for the lady who preceded me, for Lady Bird Johnson. I cannot tell you the reverence that I have for her and the strength and courage that she has brought to the perpetuation of this effort and the success of the Lyndon Baines Johnson Library to which this will contribute so much tonight. I came to Washington many years ago as a young senator. I have since recovered from that. But I can recall one of my earliest experiences was during the Lyndon Johnson administration. Mrs. Johnson will not mind me telling this true story. When I was visiting in my wife's father's office, the office I occupy now in the Capitol, he was then the minority leader, Senator Dirksen of Illinois. And I recall that Glee Gomian came running into the office and said, Senator, the president is on the phone. And he picked up the phone, and Dirksen's melodious, enthralling voice says, Hello, Mr. President. And they talked for a minute. He says, No, I'm sorry. I can't come down to the White House tonight after the Senate adjourns to have a drink. Well, I'll tell you why I can't come down. I came down to the White House last night after the Senate adjourned to have a drink, and I got home at midnight, and Luella was mad. That's why I can't come. And I marveled at that conversation for about 20 minutes, and then I heard this terrible clatter in the other part of the office, and I saw two beagle dogs on a leather leash with Lyndon Johnson attached to the other end and our friends in the Secret Service trying to keep up. President Johnson came in and says, Everett, if you won't come drink with me, I'll come drink with you. (laughs) And so it was. (laughs) And so it was that I was first introduced in an intimate way to the grandeur of a personal relationship between Lyndon Johnson and Ev Dirksen. So I take this brief moment to pay my respects to Lady Bird Johnson for the nurture that she has given to the memory of a great president and the tradition that he carried so well. My friends, I think it is doubly fortunate then that Bob Strauss should be honored here tonight and that this effort should be on behalf of the Bob Strauss chair at the LBJ LBJ library and school because in so many ways they were so similar. In so many ways they had a common understanding of that one single element of America's political life that is so little understood any place in the world and often not here. And that is there resides in a few men and women, in just a few men and women, a certain quality of dedication, a certain understanding of the fundamentals that have made this country great, that so clearly transcend party lines, they are unmistakably venerated and respected by all of those who engage in the pursuit of the formulation of public policy for this country. And Bob Strauss is in that mode. He is one of that handful of men and women who bring greatness to the American political system. He is one of that handful of men and women who add burnish and luster the system in which we operate. He is one of that small group of men and women who set an example for the rest of us. And my friends, I'm here to pay my respects to a great American, a great politician, a great legatee of the Johnson tradition, a great upholder of the political system, a great believer as I believe that America's future is still before it. Bob, congratulations. Thank you very much.